Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. I'm going to do my best to limit tonight's sermon to 30 minutes. I couldn't resist. There are guests here, so you're not sure if I'm joking. Well, you'll find out, right? We're going to have fun tonight. When I think back on my rabbinical school experience, the following words come to mind. Oh, I need to stay in frame. I forgot. Okay. The following words come to mind. Oh, thank you, Justin. Now I can move around. Uh, I think of exciting. I think terrifying, I think expensive, I think, let's see, I know I added some others, endless, I think long, which I know is the same as endless, but hey, this is my sermon, I can say what I want, and both were true, challenging, if I may have added that one already, life-changing. Those are the words that came to mind as I was doing this little exercise earlier today. The one word that is not on my list, and that I would not put on my list, is fun. (laughs) Rabbinical school is many things, but it is definitely not fun. Except for one day, Purim. Purim, the Jewish holiday at rabbinical school, is very, very fun. In addition to the actual fun things, which I am not going to talk about here, uh, but you can look it up later if you want to see what Purim is all about in the Jewish tradition, but in addition to those sorts of traditional Purim activities, now you're probably curious, we would have a Megillah reading, reading the uh, traditional Purim text, there would be skits performed by students, and inevitably our funniest, cleverest professors and administrators would offer some sort of satirical lecture, something entirely in jest, poking fun at our school or our religious movement, something along those lines, our students. One year, our dean gave a talk, and the premise of his satirical lecture was that the college, the rabbinical school, had just decided to publish a brand new weekly newsletter, and he was so excited to read some sample headlines from the very first issue. Buried among the examples that he listed was reformed Jews declare love for Torah, prefer not to read it. It's okay to laugh. It's supposed to be funny. But I will say five Purims at Hebrew Union College, and I do not remember a single skit or joke at all, save for that one. Reformed Jews declare their love for the Torah, but they prefer not to read it. 
The jokes that have some truth, those are the ones that tend to stick with us the most. This week's Torah portion is called Achrei Mot from the book of Leviticus. It's Torah, so we love it, but we're Reformed Jews, so we prefer not to read it. It's chapter 18 that is the most controversial, a section dealing with what our prayer book calls, quote-unquote, illicit sexual relations. Even then, most of the chapter is not particularly controversial or objectionable. It can be summarized by, don't commit incest, followed by many, many verses about, what exactly is incest? And just a tip here, it's not in the Torah, but this one's free. If you're asking, is this incest? The answer is probably going to be yes. Anyway, so that's most of chapter 18. And you add in prohibitions against bestiality and just general, what I would call, bad idea relationships, such as marrying your neighbor's spouse. And that's most of the chapter. Not particularly controversial. But then there's chapter 18, verse 22. zahar lo tishkav mishkavei isha to'ava hi. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. It is an abhorrence. We love the Torah. We just prefer not to read it. Not all of it, anyway. And I, like many rabbis, am guilty of the approach that Rabbi Jeffrey Brown describes when confronted with a text that, in his words, violates an obvious core belief we choose another part of the Torah portion to preach on instead. This week, in Parashat Achrei Mot, in this week's Torah portion, there are 80 verses to choose from. Why spend any time on this one? I am sure some of you are thinking, but I heard a sermon somewhere, or I read a blog post, or I saw a Facebook post that said that the verse doesn't say what everyone says it says. And again, to quote Rabbi Brown, we are guilty of cherry-picking a single text that tries to make something terribly problematic just disappear. We could spend an hour, a semester, studying the verse, but I will simply quote Dr. Joel Hoffman from his book, The Bible Doesn't Say That, 40 Biblical Mistranslations, Misconceptions, and Other Misunderstandings. Good read. I'll quote what he says on the topic of homosexuality. He says that while this prohibition is limited, it applies only to men and only to a specific act, the Bible in this case, in his words, does say what it appears to say. That is, do not do it. And for many of us, this prohibition has no part in Reformed Judaism. We prefer not to read it. But in other synagogues, synagogues around the world, around the country, and in the city itself, they do read this section, including this verse, and it is not ignored. It is read. And not just this week, when it comes up in our annual Torah reading cycle, it is read this week and on Yom Kippur itself, the holiest day of the year. The day you read what presumably is the most important and most foundational parts of all of Judaism, synagogues read this. Why? Simple answer, because the Talmud says so. 
It doesn't say why, although there are some interesting theories, but it says this is what you read on Yom Kippur, and so synagogues do. But not ours, and not the vast majority, if not all, reform synagogues. If you look in our High Holy Day prayer book, our Machzor, right after the note that says the traditional reading is about illicit sexual relations, you will find Leviticus 19, one chapter further on, what we often refer to as the holiness code. This includes lines like, you shall not steal, you shall not place a stumbling block before the blind, you shall not hate your neighbor. These are beautiful, profound words of Torah but they are not what other synagogues read. Unless you think the reform movement has lost its way and changed Judaism all willy-nilly and is too PC or whatever you want to say about it, Rabbi Bernard Zlotowicz has cataloged the suggested Torah readings in all sorts of prayer books throughout the generations. The substitution, omitting Leviticus 18 for Leviticus 19, that does not come from this book published in 2015, nor does it come from this book published in 1978, our previous High Holy Day book. No, the first time that this section was omitted comes from Rabbi David Einhorn's High Holy Day Machsor, which was published in 1858. Removing this reading is not a recent example of the reform movement run amok, departing from Jewish tradition. It predates the founding of the Reform Rabbinical Seminary where I would hear the joke about Reform Jews not wanting to read Torah. By the way, just to imagine being the first to see the reading that is prescribed in the Talmud that is read by every synagogue in every land for over a thousand years and saying, we're going to read something else. To call such people who made those decisions reformers, I think is a disservice. They were not reformers. They were radicals. And if the reform movement has in fact lost its way, it's not because it's become too radical. It's because it's become too complacent. What are we doing now that is as radical as what Rabbi Einhorn did in 1858? But back to today, why continue to omit these words from Yom Kippur? It's a pretty easy question to answer, I think. These words are painful for many members of our congregation, and they are out of line with the values that we uphold. We are the movement that here in this synagogue and in synagogues across the country every year hosts Pride Shabbat. We are the movement that publishes Mishkan Ga'ava, where pride dwells a celebration of LGBTQ Jewish life and ritual. A book whose editor is a friend of the congregation, Rabbi Denise Egger, who is both the former president of, Central, of the Central Conference of American Rabbis, our rabbinic union, and a lesbian. We are the movement that publishes the sacred encounter, Jewish perspectives on sexuality, a book whose introduction states, as adherence to a religion that is based on interpretation, questioning, and debate, Jews have a special opportunity to show there is more than one religious perspective on sexuality. That's the movement we are. We are not the movement that chooses to elevate Leviticus 18, verse 22, to be read on the holiest day of the year. It's not that we prefer not to read this. It's that doing so is antithetical to our values. 
or is it? The same book, The Sacred Encounter, Jewish Perspectives on Sexuality, it includes an essay titled Preaching Against the Text, an Argument in Favor of Restoring Leviticus 18 to Yom Kippur Afternoon. What? In a reform publication, in between essays with titles like Embracing Lesbian and Gay Men, a Reform Jewish Innovation, and Bisexual Identity, a Guide for the Perplexed, there is an essay saying that what we need to do is spend the one day a year when our sanctuaries are at their fullest publicly reading A Man Shall Not Lie with a Man as He Does with a Woman. For however many years I've given sermons on this Torah portion, I've attempted to demonstrate my allyship by pretending this verse does not exist. Rabbi Brown suggests a different approach. He suggests we ought to name this text, and not just on an otherwise regular Shabbat, but on the holiest day of the year. Name it, not because we agree with it, but because we reject it. His essay, after all, is titled Preaching Against the Text. That title, by the way, is not original. It comes from an address given by Dr. Judith Plaskow to the rabbinic ordination class of Hebrew Union College in 1997. During, in that address, she said, it is intellectually dishonest to focus simply on the positive aspects of tradition. But she goes further than that. She says it's also harmful to the very people that we think we're protecting. In her words, in congregations, many Jews are in pain. Sometimes they are in pain and feel they have been wounded directly by some aspect of Jewish tradition. Acknowledging those aspects of tradition that need to be repudiated and exercised is a necessary moment of creating something new. It's not like we don't know the commandment is there. We all know it's there even if we prefer not to read it. We live in a world filled with people who will make sure that we know it's there. But argues Dr. Plaskow, simply ignoring it, it's not just a missed opportunity, but in her view, it's actually harmful and hurtful to people who need to hear it and who deserve to hear that verse condemned. Rabbi Brown takes it a step further and says that condemnation ought to be not just on a regular old Shabbat like now, but on Yom Kippur, so that everyone can hear it. He offers some suggestions. He says, why not read it with a mournful trope, a mournful musical style, making the verse stand out from the rest of the text and making clear musically that we do not like it. He also suggests, invite a member of the LGBTQ community to read the verse along with share how that has affected their life. Or offer the reading accompanied each year by a drosh, a mini-sermon critical of the words and ideas expressed in this verse. I'm not necessarily advocating we embrace any of these proposals. Instead, I present them tonight as examples of an alternative approach to what so many of us currently do, which is to not read it at all. So in that spirit, I'm going to quote from this week's Torah portion once again. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. It is an abhorrence. 
These words are, in fact, in our Torah. They do, in fact, mean what they appear to mean. I wish these words were not in our Torah. But they are. And the biblical author who wrote them was wrong. Wrong for our time and honestly, wrong from their time too. And this movement, Reformed Judaism, has the courage to not just gloss over this text, but to center it loudly in order to condemn it. And for those that have been hurt by these words, we support you. And for those hurt by the silence of this rabbi, me, year after year, and for having not condemned it outright in one of many opportunities where I could have, I am sorry. <laughs>